We're starting a new series tonight. Um, we're not getting to the scripture just yet, buddy. But we're starting a new series tonight. And I don't know about you guys, but it makes me happy just to say that. Like, to, to, to come to the fact that, yes, we're starting a new series tonight. And, and you guys should be proud of yourselves because what we're doing is a pretty awesome thing. We're, we're going through entire books of the Bible. And I was looking back um, to the first series we did this with. And it was this month last year. This month last year, we started a series on the book of Philippians called Prison Talk. Was anybody here for any of those sessions? Yeah, so we went through the book of Philippians and we called it Prison Talk, all right? And we went through the entire book. And then we went through the book of Daniel and we called it Set Apart. So you know what that means? In the last 12 months, we've went through two entire books of the Bible. Two entire books of the Bible. That's, I think that's special, right? I think that's kind of the way the Bible should be preached and should be definitely read. But I think it's special because we're reading those scriptures in context. I got a dry mouth. Maybe you don't, guys don't mind. Now, John Wesley, this, this old guy who's no longer living, who is a theologian, and somebody's like, what is that? He studied the Bible. Uh, he had a quote when he was talking about his great love for the Word of God. And he said this. He said some other things, but he ended it with this. He says, let me be a man of one book. Right? I love that. I was talking to Harper about that this week. Let me be a man of one book. Is he saying that I can read no other books? Man, I really like Chronicles and Narnia. No, he's not saying that. Right? And don't go tomorrow to school and say, well, my youth pastor said I'm a man of one book, so I can't read this algebra book. That's not what I'm saying either. All right? I'm not saying that either. What he's saying is this, that all books that I read should conform to the Word of God. That all things that I hear somebody teach should conform to the Word of God. And if anything I hear or anything I read does not conform or uh, go with the Word of God, then I should not conform to it. What I mean by that is like, become it, take note of it, listen to it. But instead, I should listen to what the Word of God says. Now, if teaching is proper and it's obedient to the Scriptures, then that's profitable. It's good. We should listen to it. We should abide by it. If books that we read that are go along with the Scriptures, that are good. But if something is not going along with those things, we should not go with those. We should go with the Scriptures. And how better are we supposed to know what goes with and what goes not with that than to look at entire books of the Bible in context, right? Not to say a topical series here for two weeks and a topical series here for two weeks and a topical series here for two weeks where I just take Scripture and cherry-pick Scriptures and I get them to mean the point I made before I even looked at the Scriptures, <laughs> right? Because let me tell you, lessons that you learn from me, if they're not obedient to the Scriptures, they're not good at all, at all. Like, if I just come up with something, I'm like, that's a good lesson, right? And then I get scriptures to kind of mold into that lesson to meet what I want to say before I even looked at the Word. I'm telling you, that's not good at all. But if I conform to the Word, it is good. So I took way too long to say all that. What I'm saying is, it's good that we're doing what we're doing. And tonight we start a series that we're calling uh, Good News. Good News. And that's what we're going to do tonight is take the opportunity just to talk about what is this good news, right? Like, what is this good news? The good news that I'm referring to is, is what you might have heard as the gospel. 
Has anybody been in church before and heard somebody say the term gospel? Right? We hear it all the time, but it's another one of those words. It's a church word. Not that it doesn't mean something good. It means something great. It's the very essence of hope in my life. But it's one of those words that we just say and we just expect you to know what we're talking about. <laughs> right? Like it's one of those words in church you say and you're like, you're thinking to yourself, to the preacher, you're like smiling and shaking your head. You're like, what is this fool talking about? Right? But I don't want that to be you. I want to take the opportunity to tell you what is this good news. So before we I mean, take off in a series that's going to uh, cover lots of topics, we need to talk about first, like, what is this good news and what makes it good news? The word, for, the word in the Greek for the gospel, right? You know I'm a... I'm a kind of a nerd for words, right? All right. So, but the word in the Greek for gospel is euangelion. And you're like, what is going on? Euangelion is the word in the Greek for gospel. And it literally means good news. It literally means good news. And I want you to think about this situation as I try to illustrate exactly what this good news is. Um, I heard Stephen Lawson say one time, uh, as he went to illustrate this good news, and he was talking about this. Now, imagine you murdered somebody. I got everybody's attention there. <laughs> Everybody's like, hypothetically, all right? All right, obviously we're not murdering people. Please, thou shalt not kill. Let's, let's go and clarify that. Imagine this, though. You were uh, brought to court for that charge, and, and, and the judge sits and he tells you, Man, look, he starts reading your book. He says, you planned this out. You, you planned this event. You bought the items necessary to do the deed. You snuck out. You did this. You sought it out. You sought it out. And you did this. And because of that, the rightful persecution for your deeds is life in prison. And a $300,000 fine you must work off in prison to pay back reparations to that family and to the state. And as your head falls, as you think about what a terrible decision you've made, someone comes through the courtroom door. And you look back and you have no idea who this person is. It's not your lawyer. It's not the defendant's lawyer. It's, you don't know who this person is. And they walk up to the judge and they start whispering something to him. And the judge looks at you and he says, Sir, ma'am, this man just said that he's going to serve your sentence for you that he's going to serve your sentence for you in prison. And the briefcase that he holds, it holds $300,000 in cash. He's paying your fine for you. You have a clean slate. You stand before the judge, free of the charge you rightfully deserve. You're welcome to go free. I heard it's kind of portrayed like this one time. guy that owned a store had his store broke into right? And they got him on camera. There's a drug addict broke into his store, stole money out of his uh, safe, and when they brought the man in, he already spent the money, didn't have anything, and they were going to charge him with uh, breaking and entering, and, and it was going to be two felony charges, and they, they asked the store owner, they're like, do you want to say anything to him? He says, yes. And he goes and talks to him, and he says, sir, I just want you to know, I want to offer you a job. The guy's flabbergasted. You want to offer me a job? I stole from you. I took from you. I, I did you wrong. And he says, yeah, I, I want to give you a job. 
I don't want to press charges. I want to give you a job. Guys, that right there, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that, that the rightful uh, persecution for our sin is death. Now, that doesn't sound very fun and fluffy because it's not. But we're not going to preach just fun and fluffy stuff. We're going to preach truth. I don't know my voice did that. But the rightful persecution of sin is death. The Bible tells us that there's no man good, not even one. Right? Not even you. Not even you. Not even you. Not even me. Why? Because God doesn't judge us by someone else. He doesn't say, okay, let's look at your good works in comparison to Tyler's good works. Right? Okay, let's look at your good works in, in comparison to so-and-so's good works. No. He says, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to look at Christ. And let me tell you, friends, we never measure up. We never measure up. That's why he says there's no man good, not even one. That's why the gospel is essential. Because the gospel tells us that, that the judgment that we should receive through faith in Christ will instead be seen as Christ himself. The, the gospel tells us that, uh, that, that the gospel is essential and that through faith in Christ we're seen as Christ himself, that our debt is paid in full, that you're offered a job, that, that you're released for free. Our sentence that we're supposed to get is eradicated by faith. Our filthy rags, which is our sin, the Bible uses that as an uh, uh, explanation, illustration of that, is traded in for the righteous, royal cloths of Christ. And it's not because you earned it or you worked for it or you did something special or you stopped cussing and just so you can make him happy. It's because you have faith. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, before I get stuck here for 20 minutes, let's read some scripture. Galatians 1, verse 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him before the dead and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, right? This is a book to the churches of Galatia. It's called Galatians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this right here. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to him, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Guys, we're going to take some time covering this book. I'm not going to try to rush. I'm not going to try to do a chapter per sermon or anything like that. We're going to take some time going through this book. And, and we're going to cover a lot of topics, but tonight I want us to get a basic understanding about what is this good news. Because let me tell you, man, it's the good news of Jesus that can save a sinner from their rightful punishment. Like We, we like to think that, that we shouldn't be punished for what we've done, or that you do too good to be punished. But the Bible teaches opposite of that. But it doesn't leave you there. Like the, the good news is, yes, this is true. We're depraved people. We do wrong. We're born into sin and conceived in iniquity, as the psalmist would say. But we don't leave you there. The good news of Jesus Christ says, yeah, but I came so that you might have life in it more abundantly. I came so that way you could trade in your sin for my righteousness. Like, that's the good news of Jesus. So it's not, we're, not, we're not here to beat you over the head with what you do wrong. We're here to tell you, yeah, look, you live a life of sin, but there's hope for that life of sin. Does that make sense? 
All right. I hope it's making sense. So the first point I want us to make is that this, is that the gospel delivers us from us. The gospel delivers us from us. The scripture said that grace and peace from God our Father, so what he's given you, grace and peace, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And who's doing this? Who gave himself, Christ, for why? For our sins. For what reason? So that we might be delivered, right, from this present evil age. Paul makes a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful point about the gospel in this one statement. It's power. It's power to overcome. It's power to cleanse. It's power to deliver. But what are we referring to when Paul says it's able to deliver you from this present age? I have a, a very, I think, a very true statement to make about this that's been the situation forever. <laughs> that this present age, this evil age, the problem with this evil age is, is oneself. All the, way back to the, all the way back to the garden. How did the, how did the snake convince Eve? He just doesn't want you to be like him. Do what you want to do, right? Do what you want to do. It's, it's always been this. It's, it's, a, it's a state of all about me. And even more so today, look around you. Look online. How to get a six-pack abs. <laughs> I'm working on it. <sighs> no, not really. I love Oreos. <laughs> right? How to be the best you. I don't want to go there, but there's a guy named Vody Bauckham, and he said a statement there that probably ain't very youth, uh, youth language, <laughs> right? Or, or my, my personal favorite, if you uh, see me and you don't accept me and accept the things that I agree with or, or that I love or that I go through, you don't like me. As a matter of fact, you hate me because you don't agree with me. What's the common term there? Me. Me, me, me. You see, our society has built this golden throne. And this golden throne where, where they think that you and each individual person belongs to sit. And it's this self-righteousness, conceited thing that thinks everything is about me. And it's okay. It's not something you developed. <laughs> it's not something that, that you, you brought upon yourself. It's just something you were born into. But it's not something you have to stay in. The gospel delivers you from that, is what Paul just says. I don't know about you, but I believe the words of the Bible. And Paul tells us that the gospel delivers us from this present age, this evilness of us, of me, me, me. It's convinced us to masses. This, our society has convinced the masses that the way to find oneself, right, and the ability to do good is just look within yourself. What a load of crap. The Bible says that there's no good, not one. Why would I look within myself to find peace? Why would I look within myself to find hope? And if, if I can't look at myself, why would I look in somebody else to find my peace? Like a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife or a husband they can't give that to you. They can't give you those things. 
It's like, it's like to think, man, if I can give myself this, it's like if I said, I really need power to this extension cord. It's going to work, right? I can plug my phone charger here, right? No. Right? You cannot get power from something that's dead. You can't get life from something that's dead. It just doesn't work like that. Only life can bring the dead to life. Only this gospel can awake the dead. And the gospel has the ability and the power to deliver us from this me, me, me and put us in a place of him, him, him. The question, though, is how? The question is, how is this gospel, how is this good news able to deliver me, myself, from myself? From my sin? It's through recognizing that we have an inability to do it ourselves, guys. And, and to some guys where we think that we got to make things work, that might be uh, bad news or rough news. But that's good news. Has anybody in here ever done something and then they turned right around and said, why in the world did I do that? Dude, every day of my life, <laughs> every day of my life, and it's just another evidence that I can't fix things for myself. But I trade in my inability to his great ability. It's this theological term, and I, look, if you can learn about geometry and trigonometry and, I don't know, what's some science that's high level, zoology, yeah, rockets. If you, I don't know if you learned rocket science in school, but maybe you do. Uh, calculus. Look, if you are given the ability to learn these things, you can learn theological things too. And there's this term that's called depravity. And this term just means wickedness, corruption. And from the beginning, guys, it's been this way. We've been this way. Anybody got younger brothers or sisters? Did you have to teach them to be annoying? No. They were born that way. Right? And that's not Lady Gaga's song. Isn't that in the way the lady sings that song? I don't know. Anyway, that was like 10 years ago. Y'all are all like infants at that age. So, <laughs> uh, it's not something that's taught. It's something that's born with. Right? Did you, you didn't have to teach that little infant to whine, whine, whine when they wanted something. Because all they care about is themselves. And that's not, that's not a, a trying to be rude. That's just a, a truth. But we have the ability through the gospel to deliver ourselves from ourselves, and it can do it. Second point, and the last point I want to make is the gospel gives glory to God. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So you deserve the glory, the honor, and the power. You deserve the glory and the honor and the power. That's why the, the, in Revelation it says that they bow before him and forever never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. They never stop saying it. Right now, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, because he alone deserves the glory of the gospel. It's not something we do, it's something he has done. And us by faith, we get that given to us. See, to him be the glory. Now think back to the story that I told you at the beginning of this, the man who had committed murder and was then pardoned for his murder because somebody else 
uh, said that they would serve that sentence and pay that fine. I want you to think back of that and, and th- think with me here for a second. What do you think that man would do for the rest of his life that had his life pardoned? Man, I'm telling you, I know exactly what he'd do. He would honor that man. He would at least go to the prison and put money on that man's book so he can have some snack cakes. You know what I'm saying? Don't have to eat prison food the rest of his life. He would talk about the grace that man had on him. He would take care of that man's family if he had a family. See, he, he would make sure that everyone he ever met knew, knew of the grace of some man that he did not know uh, uh, physically had on his life. Someone that never had to do what he did or should even done it to begin with, yet he did it anyway. The same thing should be the case for us, guys. You see, we're talking about the perfect Christ. We're talking about the radiance of God's glory, as Hebrews 1 says, the very exact imprint of his nature. We're talking about the creator of all things on this earth, and nothing that was created that was not made was not made through him, even you. We're talking about the creator who made the hair on your head. We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. We're talking about a man so humble that he came from heaven, came to this earth, an earth full of sin, so that you might have an opportunity to know him. We're talking about a man who spent 33 years, 33 years on this earth, and was given more persecution and absolute crap from people than he was glory. We're talking about Jesus, a man who gave himself to be crucified on a tree so that you might not have to pay the penalty of your own sin. And how dare we not give him the glory for that? How dare we not stand in front of the world And say, behold the Lamb of God who took away my sin and gave me his righteousness. How dare we? You see, it is he, not I. It's he that gets glory, not I. It is he who is in a perfect place in heaven, who sat on the throne in which he deserved, who came to this earth so that way you might have an opportunity to make it there. We deserve to glorify him. As we close, um, I kind of just want to blow your mind for a second if, the, if you're into this kind of stuff. Right? I know, I know a couple people will be, but I, I think it's very interesting. See, this good news that we're talking about, this gospel, has been the plan all along. Right? We think, oh, well, it, it, it started in Matthew. No, it started in Genesis. This has been the plan that God had set out for us all along. Since the garden, he had set forth the plan for our rescue, for our deliverance, to use the scripture that we talked about tonight. Since the garden, God had made and predestined his son to serve as a curse so that the curse of sin might be broken in your life. I want you to think about that. This is not some Sunday school lesson where we're talking about color in Noah's Ark, right? We're talking about the man who made Noah and gave him the plan to get out of that disaster. We're talking about Christ. 
See, we said that word, the euangelion, right? The name for gospel. But in, in theology, there's this term called the proto-euangelion. And you're like, what are all these words? It's okay, I'm going to tell you, right? What this literally means is the first gospel, the first mention of the gospel. And you know where it is? It's not in Matthew. It's in Genesis. It's right at the fall of man where, where sin entered this earth and God gave a way of rescuing. It was the first mention of the, of the Christ that was to come. And in Genesis uh, 3.15, he says this. He says that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And you're like, what is this? What is this talking about? You see, guys, the heel of Christ was bruised on, on the cross of Calvary, but the head of the enemy was crushed. Right. The, 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 the hill of cross might have been bru- the hill of Christ might have been bruised, but the head of the enemy was crushed. Sin was crushed. Defection was crushed. Uh, uh, shame was crushed. Fear was crushed. Depression was crushed. All of these things that bind us up and take us and carry us to a dark place in our mind was already defeated. Already defeated. Does that mean we won't struggle with things for the rest of our life? No. But it means we have faith in the God who already made what was wrong right. The gap was closed. The good news of Jesus Christ tells you, it tells me, it tells all those that come to faith that they can stand with their chin held high when they stand before God. Because they won't stand with their chin held low as God judges them for their own works. Because now, when we have faith in Christ, as we stand before Christ, the Bible says we will be judged as Christ himself. And let me tell you, friends, that's righteous. And I mean that in not a 70s hippie way. That is a righteous thing. That when we stand before Christ, that we're justified by his works, by the bruising of his heel, That Christ has come to save the sinners and he's come to save the sick. You know what that means? He's come to save you and me. The good news of Jesus Christ is for us all. And the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Can you put on uh, Christ alone on a very low tone? That today is the day of salvation. That not tomorrow, not the next day, not when I get 30 years old, not when I get through college, not when I do this. Or do that, man. We do not understand that the very breath in your lungs right now is given to you by Christ Himself. It is His grace that we are allowed to take a breath. And we take it for granted. Every time we take it for granted. I ask you guys, don't do that. You don't have to wait till you're 30 years old with a family to come to know Jesus. You can be the very light of Christ right here right now at your school and even in your home because I'm not foolish enough to think that your parents all have a real relationship with Jesus but guess what you can Peter and John said in the book of Acts chapter 4 that there's no other name that a man might be saved in the name of Jesus I believe that <laughs>